Welcome to Made in India SLP podcast with your hosts Kinari and Rabab. Hello everyone. Welcome to episode number 2. Today we are thrilled to be in conversation with Dr. Anjali Kant targeting the topic of cleft lip and palate. It is my honor to introduce our second speaker, Dr. Anjali Kant. She has been a clinician, clinical supervisor, lecturer and reader. and head of department of slp and isl cell at avg nis hdd mumbai she's also the first indian slp to receive the fulbright junior research fellowship award which enabled her to do research and training at callier advanced hearing research center at university of texas dallas she has presented more than 100 papers at national and international forums and as a published author in various journals dr kant has contributed to various researches pertaining to clp hearing impairment language and voice disorders she is also co-creator of a mobile phone application for articulation therapy for children with cleft palate along with the engineers of tata consultancy services under project she along with a former colleague at avg has also developed a home auditory training program in hindi and marathi for cochlear implantees kinnari and rabab i'm so delighted to be on this podcast with you and i'm eager to share my experience in field of cleft lip and palate which is so dear to my heart thank you so much and i'm so proud of you too you're doing so well thank you so much ma'am welcome to our made in india slp podcast it is an absolute pleasure to have you here um why don't we get started a pressing but basic question that we believe slp's encounter is what are the roles and responsibilities of a speech language pathologist in cases of cleft lip and palate we do know that we play an important role in the interdisciplinary team for craniofacial anomalies and i'm hoping you can tell us more about that yeah getting started with the role Uh, many of us feel that the role is starts only after the, after the child is referred to us say at one and a half years or three years but our role begins very much early itself when you're working in the hospital then the role is beginning in the hospital itself and you can start counseling the parents and the first thing is that feeding the baby brain does not happen properly the child cannot suck so that is the point of starting for us to tell the parent how to go about breastfeeding what is the position after that then what are the different types of bottles which are available for feeding and what problems will the child face following that then as the child grows older cleft lip surgery it occurs before 3 months of age till that time or before that time also we can tell the parents as to provide a lot of stimulation through bradling the infant by 4 months is doing mama mama nana na or backing if it, if you see if the parent sees that the tongue is going backwards and try to give proper model towards our cleft Uh, primary surgery it is takes place between 7 months to 12 months so that is the real time of developing speech and language so at that time to use a lot of functional vocabulary to use is to give proper models so the role is there itself then as a child grows older one and a half to 3 years so of course at one and a half will be more of language evaluation and telling them language is so important and the child may become delayed in language so how to provide simulation uh, through our screening or a standardized procedures do the speech the language evaluation when we reach the speech evaluation of major role the interdisciplinary role will be differential diagnosis actually when i teach the students the first thing i tell them that this is the only area of speech language pathology and audiology where this slp is a real decision maker we will have to decide whether the misarticulations are developmental errors whether they are compensatory misarticulations or obligatory and if it is compensatory then it is the slp who will decide and tell that okay now this child needs therapy this child needs surgery 
of course uh, the you need to let the child acquire his phonological skills until four and a half years of age after that you have to uh, see whether he's having misarticulation or is it phonological errors and then the velopharyngeal dysfunction how to assess what are the different types of velopharyngeal dysfunctions insufficiency incompetency mislearning and then because of ppi and cleft the child will develop resonance problems and how to go about that then the intervention uh, during that time it will occur that if there is insufficiency in terms of shots of palate or any other structural abnormality and the child cannot undergo surgery then the need for prosthesis and uh, then sometimes it will be like okay the child is 8 years old and then uh, he cannot see the surgeon shows missing teeth then how to collaborate with the orthodontist at different ages for the child so the slp has a really a big role so um, dr kant now that we've established our role as slps in clp management what do you think is an efficient protocol in your opinion to conduct an assessment for an individual with clp yeah there are so many protocols there is an comma giving a protocol then the catherine crowley of leaders project of columbia university and smile train she has her own assessment protocol i remember see reading a monograph of isha also where there was a protocol i think they are into writing it again and uh, before going into the details of the protocol i would like to say that uh, you can make your own efficient protocol remembering a certain key points Uh, for example case history is important to begin with medical history family history related to the history of cleft or any other speech and language problems prenatal history is an important point because we would like to uh, know as to regarding uh, any paucity of folic acid during pregnancy because in the indian population it's usually seen that during the pregnancy time if the mother has got a lack of folic acid vitamin b complex and Uh, there is a chance of she delivering a baby with cleft palate that is one of the etiology which is common then uh, doing the oral peripheral mechanism examination after that we need to do a perceptual evaluation of speech what are the speech problems in terms of articulation and resonance in uh, articulation you we would like to see whether it's developmental errors or compensatory misarticulations or obligatory errors due to velopharyngeal dysfunction then apart from that we need to do perceptual evaluation of velopharyngeal dysfunction itself it's called dysfunction so it can be a velopharyngeal insufficiency like having a shorts of palate or an incompetency with like a paresis or paralysis of the soft palate it can be a mislearning mis can give rise to things like uh, compensatory misarticulations it can be a mislearning not related to vpi in terms of phone specific uh, nasal emissions you can look at resonance in terms of hyponasality hyponasality that is the effects of uh, vpi uh called the sac resonance and followed by perceptual evaluation will be the instrumental evaluation we talk about uh, nasoendoscopy uh, fluoroscopy lateral cephalograms but mostly in in the indian condition is endoscopic evaluation and we as uh, slps are so important to select the stimuli for endoscope because of velopharyngeal uh, excursion will differ according to the different phonemes which are said and the closure will be different for different phonemes and we'll go to the oral peripheral mechanism examine the child for any structural abnormalities in that you check out the for the cleft lip the lip scar and then lip movements in terms of pursing of the lips and the retraction movements are they restricted because that will affect the bilabial production look at the teeth the alveolar ridge see the cleft is anterior to the incisive foramen posterior to the incisive foramen because depending on where it is and of course i'm talking about a repaired cleft where it is then those kinds of uh, sounds will be affected then uh, the hard palate and soft palate a uh, soft palate symmetry soft palate movements need to be checked if there is any atypical nasal congestion we need we can assess the oral cavity for abnormalities of the tongue if there are additional 
tonsillar tissue uh, dentition the occlusion in cleft may find so many times that there is maxillary retrusion some kinds of condition where there is pure orbin sequence then you have a maxillary retrusion and glossoptosis the tongue a large tongue in the cavities i spoke about fistulae in the hard palate or soft palate the size of the fistulae location of the fistulae so sometimes the fistula is too large so the child needs to go in for a surgery and uh, to close the fistula if it's too small and it's not contributing to the nasality or the articulation definitely then you can carry on so for that you need to have a chewing gum and to put the chewing gum make it soft and put it on to the fistula and check the change in the resonance this is only regarding cleft palate sometimes uh, there is hypernasal the client comes with hypernasality and then you see that there is no history of cleft palate but then still there is hypernasality and you may check and you find a bony notch so you may think about a submucous cleft palate there is a zona pellucida that is the bluish lining which is there and the bifidula sometimes one out of the three components are not there so it can be an occult submucous so that needs to be seen then we look at the perceptual evaluations then you are looking at speech sound production in that important to note is the obligatory errors compensatory errors and the developmental error developmental articulation errors are the errors which any other child a so called normal child would have so he will have more of the back sounds being produced as anterior sounds so the k and uh, g would be t and the whereas a cleft palate child will have a reverse one they will have backing so developmental articulation errors may be present along with the compensatory articulation or along with the obligatory obligatory errors are typically those errors which are because of the physical abnormality of the structure and the vpd and the dental occlusion and the main thing for us is the compensatory articulation errors the child is having a cleft of the hard palate that is a place where he is tongue would be the active articulator trying to contact the passive articulator which is the hard palate and the one of the active articulator soft palate the tongue gets a different feel the proprioceptive reception the tongue will have will be so different the tongue will start backing and then you will get all the backing errors so a glottal stop or a pharyngeal fricative about eight compensatory misarticulations and two or three more which are because of the mid part of the tongue closing any fistula on the hard palate then you need to assess the stimulability for these compensatory errors and you give them any bit of a visual feedback or auditory feedback or a tactile feedback to produce a correct articulation so is the child able to imitate you and use those cues so this then assessing the speech intelligibility understandability and acceptability you need to assess resonance in terms of is there a hypernasality hyponasality mixed resonance cul-de-sac resonance then you need to check the nasal air flow there are so many low tech procedures for that like i remember one of our teachers sangi madam telling us that you just need to have a little a uh, mirror and you take that mirror and poke the mirror below nasal cavity and then you tell the cleft palate child to speak you can pick up sentences which have got no nasal consonants like papa is reading paper then you will see that with the cleft palate child if a child has got hypernasality then there'll be clouding then there are other techniques like taking a straw and putting it near the nose of the child and you listening to the air escape and making the child understand when there is nasal air escape or nasal emission there'll be facial grimacing because the child is trying to avoid the nasal escape so there are visual and auditory procedures for that so that will be the perceptual i can go at length about this but i think somewhere <laughs> i need to cut down and you can go into the instrumental evaluation aliyavajan we used to do a lot of fibroptic fixal nasal endoscopic evaluation of the cleft palate client and each child was so very different first we needed to understand as to the vp closure how it looks for normals it's not done until 8 years of age if the child is older because they may not accept you putting the flexible endoscope through the nose it's very uncomfortable mm-hmm. and how the occlusion looks there can be a large gap a small gap a median size gap can be a, a semicircular kind of a gap and there are different ways of describing it and that these all contribute to the nasal emissions direct observation would be video fluoroscopy nasal endoscopy indirect instrumental evaluation which we used to have the nasometer and then you look at the nasal lens so the nasal lens 
you keep the threshold at uh, 30% and anything above 30% is considered to be hypernasal. So it's the ratio of the acoustic energy from the speaker's oral and nasal cavities as a particular formula and with the instrument you get the nasal and percentage directly on and you can have pressure flow studies. So that is about the speech and resonance and you can look at voice assessment because of trying to speak properly and trying to not allow the air to escape to the nose, the child may strain his voice. So you can do an auditory perceptual assessment of voice and instrumental assessment of voice. They may tend to have hoarse or a strained voice. Then you do a language assessment with any standardized language test and you see whether there's any delay in the language. This would be a thorough assessment protocol as such. You can do your own protocol, but remember that these key points which I mentioned uh, should be there. Thank you for this great information, Dr. Kant. I'm sure our SLPs appreciate it and it's definitely going to help them formulate and begin a plan of care. I do have a follow-up question though. If yeah. there was a go-to test, I have yeah. a child with a cleft lip and palate in my clinic right now. Is there yeah. a test you really like? And being in the Indian community, are there any cultural changes that we have to make to that test? Yeah, uh, the tests, there are so many. And especially you are looking at any speech and language. So photo articulation tests in the Indian context is in seven Indian languages. So that could be used. There are many other tests which have been developed under unpublished dissertations of Mysore University. So we have a lot of tests of articulation in Malayalam, Kannada. And there is RMC, the Sir Ramchandra Medical College and Institute. Uh, their group over there, the ASLP is there and their department has a lot of tests. Then there are tests, mild train also. And then there are tests by club. For the Indian context, I would like to go into photo articulation tests. But then what happens is that tests is uh, with black and white pictures. Uh, like we have had under the mobile phone application project. So we had developed a test for in Marathi. So that is something which we have downloaded onto our tablet. And that is what we were going to begin to use. Not yet, but we will start using that. And apart from the test, we would like to look at certain aspects like if the test should have things to do with uh, stimulability assessment. So ANCAM also has a test and there is this test which is developed by, by uh, Catherine Crawley of the Leaders Project of Columbia University and Smile Train where how would you go about assessing the speech sounds and the stimulability for each. By stimulability just for the students I would like to say that stimulability would mean that if the child has got an error speech sound then how would you try in to give a visual cue or a tactile cue or an auditory cue to try and make him get the target sound the correct articulation for that sound. So that Catherine Crawley gives 12 steps by step analyst assessment which i like but there are so many to choose from so it depends on what situation you are in and what is available to you so you can select that mm -hmm. yeah i do agree with that but like what you have available and like what kind of population you're working with it all comes down to that stimulability plays such an important role in treatment especially when treating articulation phonological and resonance disorders in a lot of cases, we see varying amounts of VPD, and that can actually drastically change our therapy intervention. So Dr. Kant, can you please provide us some insight regarding management of nasal emissions and uh, nasality? Yeah, it's a very important question. Because earlier on, like everybody would use these terms, pharyngeal incompetency, insufficiency, and then dysfunction and it was just uh, one did not know what they were using so as far as i remember trost and cardamom they gave in uh, the term bpd so velopharyngeal dysfunction it's of three types they are given as velopharyngeal insufficiency velopharyngeal incompetency and and uh, velopharyngeal mislearning so 
when you're looking at velopharyngeal insufficiency, that means there is the anatomy is insufficient, which means that it can be history of cleft palate or a submucus where the velum may be too short, or it can be a deep pharynx, or it can be irregular adenoids or enlarged tonsils. So the structure itself, there is something is insufficient in the structure to give a proper resonance. Then is incompetency is a neurophysiological aspect. So you can have velopharyngeal hypotonia, you can have a paresis or paralysis of the soft palate, or it can be a neurological injury due to TBI, or it can go into dysarthria and apraxia. I won't touch those as Dr. Khan, is there an example of a case study that you could give us that could help our listeners understand this more effectively? Like I remember having a child, uh, having a submucous cleft and she had severe hypernasality and her speech intelligibility as per allergen scale was at six, not intelligible at all. And we tried a number of techniques. Later, we realized that we used certain techniques and, it, and her nasality reduced and articulation improved. So intelligibility came to four. And then we realized that there was a paresis of, of the velum, which is contributing to all this hypernasality. Then in this case, this is velopharyngeal incompetency and your therapy techniques and everything is going to change. I will come to whether it's therapy or surgery also regarding this. And then you have the velopharyngeal mislearning. In mislearning, you can have two types, which is the compensatory, which is not one is not related to the VPI, not related to the insufficient. The structure is normal, but the cleft palate child is taking his tongue backward and the placement of, of the tongue is going backwards. It is a compensatory. You can call it compensatory articulation, compensatory misarticulation, or compensatory errors. And another one is the mislearning is with in terms of the structure is abnormal related to VPI. There is escape of air for specific phonemes, certain pressure consonants like sirs and shirs, fricatives or maybe plosives or applicates, mostly fricatives. Then it is nasal emissions which are phone specific. So these are the three types and depending on what your diagnosis and you are the decision maker. So you are going to be with the plastic surgeon during the nasal endoscopy and you are going to do your own perceptual evaluation and then you are going to decide. So then of course when it is velopharyngeal insufficiency, our role is not much. You have to refer the child for, uh, to the plastic surgeon for any surgery. And then post-operatively, the goal of the speech pathologist will be to improve the articulation and not improve the resonance because resonance correction will be the part of the surgery and the plastic surgeon. However, after the surgery, if the hypernasality persists, then we can do a few uh, techniques for reducing. I'll come to that. So when it's velopharyngeal insufficiency, that is structural abnormality, surgery and speech therapy post-operatively. Then in such case, one example would be a short soft palate. Then you can collaborate with the prosthodontist for a speech bulb. We have seen these happening in the institute where a prosthodontist would come in and make the speech bulb for the child and then the reduction therapy that the bulb size is reduced and then make the child understand. So sometimes it happens that surgery, the child is not ready for surgery, then advising for prosthodontist uh, to develop, a, to create a speech bulb. And speech therapy is appropriate only after surgery for these clients who are having velopharyngeal insufficiency. If it is velopharyngeal competency again it will be surgery and speech therapy post operatively like and then child is not ready for surgery and then it's incompetency that is the suppose for example paralysis or paris or the soft palate and then you can go in for a process and post operatively try for reduction of the nasality and the technique and then the most importantly is velopharyngeal mislearning so then it is correcting the compensatory misarticulation. So what happens when the child is taking his tongue backwards and having all these compensatory misarticulation glottal stops and pharyngeal fricatives? He's not using the muscles of the velopharyngeal properly and therefore the velopharyngeal gap will be there and therefore the nasal escape. So he'll have misarticulations with hypernasality. So if you improve his misarticulation, bring all those articulations forward, so then articulation improves and the 
nasality reduces so you can have the phonetic placement approach motokinesthetic approach you remember bunthal and bangsel gives you so many techniques to improve the misarticulation misarticulations are improved nasality is reduced so that is the main thing which we are concerned with for the others post operatively for vpi and competency then you can make the child understand what it is hypernasality means resonances or there is escaping through the nose for the oral sounds especially the vowels and the vowels so how to use a nose plug plugging technique where a nose nose plugs are available so give the child the feel of increased intraoral pressure and not the nasal so the plug can be worn at home or you can use a tube so the child can be made to understand how there are nasal emissions and then you give a auditory feedback and make him understand about that so there is a oral nasal listener onl which is called uh, it's by super duper publications you can have a seascape which is called by and come instead of seascape it's just a little paper which is like a paddle use a thin piece of paper which can be kept below the nose and then the child talks and then if there is air escape through the nose then the paper moves it shakes a little bit of vibration of the paper and make the child understand that or then you can just have a long straw with Uh, the straw put uh, under the nose of the child, and then you you listen to it or make the child understand. You take turns and you make the child put the straw under your nose and make the let the child hear from the other side, and then how there is no nasality and no nasal air escape. Uh, one has to remember that do not use blowing and sucking exercises. They are outdated because blowing and sucking, whatever the articulators are used and the neural pathways, they are very different. and the pathways for speech are different and it's not going to help in improving speech so many a times the plastic surgeon will say that oh the therapist is working with the blowing and sucking exercise and there is no improvement in speech yes there is not going to be any improvement in speech uh, you have to give the articulation exercise to reduce the nasality and improve articulation like i said the client who had the submucous with a paresis and hypotone in the muscles of the soft palate in that case we did nothing worked so we used blowing and sucking and the oromotor exercise and it did help her so it's very rarely with a lot of experience you'll be able to say that okay nothing is working this may work depending on you're very sure about the diagnosis then you can go on for those others do not use this thank you for sharing that dr khan all that information about articulation and resonance really helps um as we know dysphagia is a common comorbidity noted in cleft lip and palate cases Can you please elaborate for our listeners the steps of interventions, the recommendations related to appropriate utensils and feeding bottles? Oh yes, that's uh, really very important because mostly we hear about a lot of feeding bottles and all, and we have no access to them here in India. That used to happen in the yester years. Things have changed. Uh, you talked about steps and of intervention, so it is very important to tell the parent that after surgery, be very careful. Check the temperature of whatever you have given to the child. I'm talking about the the primary surgery for the palate, which is done between seven to twelve months, or even the secondary surgery, which is done later for VPI, because it may burn the lips and the mouth. then the child should be fed with small amounts more frequently rather than having three and four meals which we have usually at a time also give small morsels not just put large morsels try to soften the food with gravy we say the amti or any gravy which is there of the vegetable or creams or milk to soften the food food can be mashed and avoid foods that are hard sharp like papad or wafers and any sticky kind of food and then coming to the bottles there are number of bottles which are available these can be bought from amazon and some of them are imported some of them are made in the country so you have the feeder bottle with long nipple for cleft palate you get it a pack of 2 for for 632 rupees so 300 and odd will be for one bottle 
with this bottle you can uh, adjust the rate of flow of the milk and it is a squeezable bottle too if the child is really having a lot of problem in sucking and the sucking strength is not good enough then just a little bit of squeeze in the in the milk will flow out then there is medela special needs haberman bottle that is imported it's for 1876 rupees then you have the pigeon baby nursing bottle pigeon lip opening infant suckling bottle with cleft palate nipples we call 3300 rupees there is a nuke teat for cleft palate with a hole by nuke 365 rupees so all these kinds of bottles are available and there are many indigenous made ones also but instead of the bottle it can be a katori and a spoon or there are specially designed katoris and spoons which are circular in shape with peak like projection or can be put in the child's mouth till the end so they can just swallow the milk so there is a lot which is happening and there are nifty cup feeders so you have a cup which has got the markings for ounces or milliliters how much a child can drink and they have got these projections so they can be used for the child so these projections so the child will be able to get a grip and then they can go a little inside so that the milk can be dropped or any other fluid can be so while we are on this feeding topic um i just have a follow up question that i want to slide in with respect to our indian cuisine how would diet texture modifications apply usually in the west it's very easy to get a lot of mashed and pureed material uh in india now we are getting a lot of things uh, you can have dalia with milk uh, corn flakes are so readily available mashed up the chapati with the milk and it made it soft to be given to the child so poha with milk or you can have bread and butter bread remove the crust or then dosas put a little bit of gravy or sambar which is not very tikha or something like that and make it soft or idlis dip them in sambar make it soft and give to the child in the maharashtra we have something called the ambolis they can be made soft and given uh then you can have scrambled eggs and then for lunch can have rice with mashed potatoes or any vegetable it all can be mashed and uh, given with rice or then uh, the easiest one children will also like is pav bhaji all of us like pav bhaji so much that so much of nutrition dals are there that with rice and uh, chapati so many options are there which are available with i can go on and on with this <laughs> so dr khan thank you for sharing this insight into texture changes for po intake and just increase following safety in individuals with cleft lip and palate as we know the patient population in india comprises a fair share of individuals who come from lowest economic statuses and backgrounds yes. can you share are there any tips strategies what do we do to incorporate efficient home carryover in this sector of society the main thing is that we need to counsel them and tell them whatever exercises and all we do we need to give homework to the child and explain for the lower socio economic group and then you maintain a particular therapy book for the therapist can go on to google and there are so many free downloadable items some of them are there in hindi of leaders project also and the english one clapa gives a lot the uk group even uh, teachers pay teacher that is another website uh, tell the parent to do the exercises and all that at for a, a slightly middle socio economic then uh, there are these mobile phone freely downloadable apps which are there for providing speech and language stimulation for improving on uh, articulation like i said the cleft palate association of uk or the smile train is there then there is i discovered one more or uh, there is hong kong association cleft palate friends of the smile foundation then there is transform faces akhil bharatiya mahila seva sang a b m s s 
in the south in bangalore they are the head office they are doing a lot on cleft and they are having their own tools and so gearing to our own indian population so it's a csr uh, representative it's really good work being done there so that can also one can approach and see what they have with them that would be nice if you if you're able to just give us a resource list and we can just put it out also for our listeners a place where they can find it all yeah. so coming up to my next question so as a clinician um, a major amount of case load of clp patients comprises particularly of pediatric individuals therefore pen counseling plays such an important role so are there any particular counseling tools you usually use or you would recommend counseling is so very important like i said so you have the cleft uh, cleft friends cleft lip and palate by the smile foundation so like a small booklet as to how to go about it's just for parents to understand what is a cleft what are the problems with the cleft what are the speech and language problems and how to go about it it's just in short that is one good one then the clapa the cleft lip and palate association of the united kingdom they have Uh, another one for uh, the cleft palate parents they also go in short about this they also go further as to a parents guide as to how to go about the therapy techniques and all then the hong kong association also has one i was trying to look out for the akhil bharat mahila seva sang they also have a lot of tips on to how to go about counseling the parents but if we don't have these tools also we can if you have a thorough knowledge if you read a lot and you are a graduate and if you know your theory very well and if you have experience with a few one or two clients also you will be able to uh, have make your own little tool i remember one client where we tried to prevent misarticulations and prevent the hypernasal resonance he came to us very early at 9 months of age and uh, now he is 11 years old so we have his recordings and all right from 9 months till now yearly recordings the most important thing in this aspect was not us it was more of guidance therapy so the main thing was that the, the mother was very very involved in the therapy of the child she was very much concerned you have to remember the key factors in that that what to counsel about was the acceptance of the child feeding uh, then the different feeding bottles and all available feeding techniques and go on to speech and language stimulation uh, babbling going on to speech and language stimulation prior to surgery after surgery evaluation then differential diagnosis then therapy there are various emotional problems at home at school in peer group how to talk about that how to consider that so you can develop your own that sounds like a great counseling plan dr kant would you like to share any latest trends in evidence based practice for cleft lip and palate in particular something that we should begin incorporating in our practice and especially some resources for student clinicians as well so that they can efficiently and provide skill services to individuals with cleft lip and palate uh, one of our ex students who is now a totally a very good clinician sonakshi rawal she uh, got a little training in this metacognitive therapy strategies so we are looking at uh, speech uh, the misarticulations as such as a misarticulation or a compensatory misarticulation but here the therapy the metacognitive therapy was in terms of looking at phonological processes and phonological problems and language issues so looking at uh, that was one of the evidence base we tried it with some clients and then we saw there is a change then there are some therapies like early language intervention the child can be uh, coming as early as 6 to 7 months there are some studies and all given as to uh, recent changes in the treatment with cleft palate and how the treatment will change has changed and then how it is affecting the speech and 
how those therapies can be used there are some non language specific speech tests and approaches one thing which we developed a mobile phone application giving therapy drills to the child in a, as an asynchronous therapy technique he can leave a message for the uh, for the therapist and the therapist at our own time in our own clinic or home can access that and give uh, instruction to the child or within the app itself there were some videos as to how to improve on the articulation there were only six sounds which were considered that was one also sarms chennai has done a lot of research and in uh, community based rehabilitation Uh, using a mobile phone so the community workers as the anganwadi and the community based workers to identify the errors and then give a basic therapy or basic feeding strategies yeah it all comes down to how we are using the technology well dr kant we are almost ready to wrap up any final thoughts uh, you would like to share with our listeners perhaps ways to advocate for the role of slps in the interdisciplinary team or just clp management in general yes definitely uh usually it is that okay like uh surgery is done and that's about it and then what do we do about therapy we can't find anyone but we, we can definitely make ourselves known uh, actually i would like to mention regarding the evidence base is that with the covid coming in mm-hmm. uh things have changed a lot so you can't have individual interactions so then you have to go into telepractice there have been studies of using telepractice we have been trying at iron at aliyavajan to uh, have telepractice for cleft palate also but there are some apps which are there which you can download free of cost and you can ask the client to download free of cost and both the therapist and the child are on the same page with the same app and then the communication becomes easy for uh, therapy in terms of improving articulation of the particular sound and regarding advocacy we have to make ourselves known to everybody if you are in a hospital setup it's still very easy you, you need to talk to the plastic surgeon so then you should uh, meet them beforehand itself and say that your role is important right from day one one of the things you can be a member of the indian cleft lip and palate and craniofacial anomalies uh, the society we have been an active society from 2001 so they also get to know about your role if you are in with such societies akhil bharat mahila seva so they are looking for slps so I remember we I remember this very well in 1988 we had the UNICEF funded project on uh, developing material for com- awareness of communication disorders in that one of the disorders was cleft palate so we through folk songs we had uh, like uh, folk songs in marathi developed the awareness among the anganwadi workers and all for hearing impairment and also on cleft palate now with the disability certification which is come in india through the rpwd act maxillofacial disorders are also considered under disability and slps can evaluate them a number of uh, hospitals or uh, in the rural areas also we have been referring clients to different hospitals where this uh, disability certification has been given so then through that also awareness is getting created so they wonder as to i i love hearing that we did a folk song and trying to spread awareness through a medium yeah. that is very prevalent in indian communities so that's great yeah. um but dr khan thank you so much for your time and being in conversation regarding cleft lip and palate with us we've enjoyed this discussion and getting to learn so much and i'm sure our listeners did as well i'm really happy that two of our students ex students who are so good now they're no not students any longer and i like <laughs> this idea of podcast because you really can do so much on a podcast and talk a lot and share your experiences i'm really proud of you all and thank you for thank giving me this opportunity in my favorite area thank you so much no thank, thank you ma'am you. we will be back with our next podcast on june 20th 
with a new speaker and an exciting topic. Stay tuned to our social media to learn more. Thanks for joining us today and we are so grateful for all the support we've received and can't wait to see where this podcast goes. Thank you. See you soon.